you'd open to 1 Kings chapter 18, we want to look at a few moments as we continue our series on the life of Elijah. Fascinating life. The more I read and the more I reflect on how God used this man, the circumstances around his life, I continue to find amazing applications for my life. 1 Kings chapter 18. Let's pray before we try anything here. Lord, you indeed hold us fast. And we do thank you as we've prayed for our brothers and sisters throughout the world because we share some eternal things with them. And one is, Lord God, we have your eternal word that will never fail. Thank you that as we open 1 Kings chapter 18, we find your word which will never fail. We know everything written in the Old Testament was written to teach us and encourage us to give us hope. Lord, we need hope. So Lord, might your word give that to us this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Sudden retirements. Job changes. Children moving away. Different events that have great impact in our life. And often when we evaluate some of them big things, one of the key factors in it all is timing. What's a good time? Or this is a bad time. The timing's not right. We've all probably said those things. We've all evaluated circumstances based on time. This morning I want to look at a passage that has a lot to say about God's leading, how he orchestrates our lives. This opportunity, you've maybe thought, if this opportunity was a year or two from now, maybe, if circumstances in my life were arranged a little differently, well, maybe. But it's all about timing. Because we have a human lens. That's what we look through. This last football season, as a joy to watch, a really great football team, fun team, work hard. Uh, but game time, I had the best seat in the house. I got to stand up on top of the announcer's booth right above Tom Nelson. And, um, and I got to see the whole field. And, and I would radio down, and Brian Westby and I would radio down to the coaches on the field and said, that play's not going to work or didn't work. This is why. We saw something up high that they did not see playing out on the field. We saw the defense shift. We saw certain players they sent in. We saw on the other side of the field spacing and different things, and we radioed down and said, hey, guys, listen. From our vantage point up here, we can see things you cannot see. We need to adjust if we're to succeed. The adjustments only came because there was a different perspective. And that's very true in our lives. We need to adjust because of a higher perspective. It's not that we look up at God and say, now is just not a good time. God looks down and says, yeah, now's the time. Because he's got the best perspective. He's got the best seat in the house. He sees everything. And right off the bat in 1 Kings chapter 18, let's read the first two verses and get this rolling. Now it came about after many days that to the word of the Lord 
came to Elijah in the third year, saying, go, show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the face of the earth. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria. Came about after many days. It's pretty easy to fly through that. Well, how many is many days? Try three and a half years. James 5 and Luke 4 both emphasize to us that it did not rain for three and a half years. Indeed, after many days. God delayed. God's lens, God's perspective. Elijah had to wait three and a half years. What God was doing, what God was brewing, wasn't going to really happen, come to fruition for three and a half years. Now, it's interesting to note, and we'll get on this a little bit more in a couple weeks, that as we read in Elijah 5, God said to um, Elijah, hey, it's not going to rain on the land. But James 5 tells us Elijah prayed it wouldn't rain. God just said it wouldn't rain. Why are you praying about it? And then... In James 5, it said, Elijah prayed it would rain. Well, God told him it would rain. Why is he praying? It's all about proximity. I mean, think about this. When I drive through the cities, maybe you've had this, and I got KTIS on, and I'm, and I'm singing along with Chris Tomlin, and I go into Wisconsin, I'm starting to get farther away. I'm enjoying our God with Chris Tomlin. All of a sudden, Led Zeppelin flies in. Where do they come from? I, I, Chris Tomlin to Led, that's a, that's a jump. And so, or you begin to get static. And that which you heard clearly, that which was very defined, all of a sudden static. And you can't hear it clear. And it becomes fuzzy. Or you hear other voices. What's the problem? It's all about proximity, right? Same true here. The closer you stay to the heart of God, the clearer you'll hear. All about proximity. Three and a half years, Elijah said, you know what, I'm not going to drive away from God. I'm going to stay right close to what God, God's heart, what he told me. I'm going to be obedient. And after three and a half years, because of that close proximity, God said, okay, Elijah, go. Now's the time, buddy. Let's go. So, Elijah went. And I asked, why so long? He's a prophet. He doesn't have time to sit and wait for three and a half years. Now, you and I understand the issues related to this story. Why does God have me here now? Why are things taking so long? Timing, leading, all those things that you and I wrestle with. The timing of God can be difficult to consider, especially in light of where we wonder where he's leading us. And when it comes to specific situations in life, we can forget God's leading and timing is at times a process. He doesn't automatically send us somewhere immediately. It could be after many days, three and a half years. I wonder, though, why God delays. I don't know about you. Why does his timing often include intervals of time? Why is it so unpredictable? I mean, if God's leading always involved set timetables, isn't it true we wouldn't live in the present? We wouldn't live dependent upon God? After all, if we knew 30 days from now God was going to do this in 30 days, would we really live the next 29? Maybe, but maybe not, because in 30 days, something's going to happen, and so we'll just wait for 30 days. But God doesn't tell us. 
So we remain dependent upon him. And because God's timing is what it is, it means we must be ready for what yet hasn't come. Former pastor and co-author of Following God series, Eddie Rasnick, said this, Tomorrow's assignments cannot be handled with today's faith. Let that sink in for a moment. That's true. Tomorrow's assignments cannot be handled by today's faith. In other words, why God prepares us, increases and stretches our faith so we are ready for tomorrow's assignments. And so don't think that you got a better plan or that you're strong enough or good enough. We'll never be that way. God's timing. It's all about his timing as he orchestrates our lives. If you fly at all, you know flight delays can be incredibly frustrating. And the reason is really simple. It's not on your timetable. It's not on your schedule, not on your agenda. If you wanted to take an hour, a flight 12 hours later, you would have. You took the flight you did because it's going to get you where you want to go at the right time you want to go there. And when delays come, it throws us into a tizzy. Because it's not on our agenda. It's not on our time. Often inconvenient. And while waiting is required, we will in, need, in time need to act, even if the timing's not what we want. The key is when's the time? <laughs> That's the battle. If there are delays, either we're not ready or other conditions or persons are not ready. And so we need to understand God's got a timing and it's right timing. It can be easy to become disillusioned into thinking that we missed some endeavor that we thought God had for us only to find actually we were in the nucleus of his plan. We just didn't understand the timing of it. And since God is sovereign, he's in full control of the timing of it all. And since he's in full control, God takes full responsibility. So don't try to carry this burden. It's not us to up. It's not up to us to make this divine plan work. That's God's work. Our job is to walk in his revealed will when he tells us to. How will we know what it is? How will we know when? We'll stay in close proximity. And then you'll begin to hear clear. So quit trying to figure it all out and just follow him today. And listen. Listen as you read the Bible. Listen as you pray. And be spiritually sensitive to what's going on. I helped a, a church in a building project back in Wisconsin many years ago, back in, I don't know, probably 2006, 2008, somewhere in there. Church in Verroqua, Wisconsin was building and they were using volunteer help. And uh, so um, Solid Rock Builders was kind of the name of the ministry that came alongside churches. And so this church in Verroqua was building and um, they had all their footings already set, just ready to pour concrete, and they got hit with a deluge of rain. And there were a lot of people throughout the state were all ready to head over there and this rain came and talk about setting things back. Now, they have the footing forms, the rebar, everything all set. But the construction schedule wound up being pushed back some six weeks. And when they sent out the email in the message to other churches telling them of the delay, here's what the email said. As a church congregation, we wait patiently and we accept 
God's perfect timing. I was so impressed I kept it. <laughs> that is a great way to look at it. I mean, we're embarking on a building project, and there's a lot of parties like, oh, this is going to be exciting. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. But God said to them, yeah, but let's just wait a little bit. Yuck. Who wants to wait? They didn't, but they accepted it. We would be wise to do the same thing. And so we got God's timing as an issue, and as we read verses 3 through 6, let's consider another point. And Ahab, he's a complete loser. He's a worship of Baal. He's got no backbone, but he's the ruler of the land. He calls this guy, we're introduced, to Obadiah, who was over the household. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly, for it came about when Jezebel destroyed the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah took a hundred prophets, hid them by fifties in a cave, and provided them with bread and water. Then Ahab said to Obadiah, Go through the land to all the springs of water and to all the valleys. Perhaps we'll find grass and keep the horses and mules alive. Verse 6, so they divide the land between them to survey it. Ahab went one way by himself. Obadiah went another way by himself. I read this account, and I kind of chuckle about something that we could miss. We're introduced to this guy named Obadiah, okay, who according to verse 3, get a load of where he works. He holds the highest office in the land of this Baal-worshipping king. There's a man, Obadiah, who fears God in the highest office under this king. Isn't that just like God? To place somebody in that kind of spot, kind of like Joseph, to place him there, it's almost like in your face. You think, Ahab and Jezebel, you rule this thing. But you're sadly mistaken because I got placed in your house, unbeknownst to you, one of my children, who fears me, not you, he fears me, his great respect. Now, there's a fear of Ahab, but there's an ultimate fear and respect and reverence for God. It makes me wonder, how often did Obadiah think, am I in the right place? I mean, seriously, I'm looking over my shoulder. Every time they're worshiping stupid gods, I want to vomit. Am I in the right place? I mean, the immorality, the wickedness here, God, you got to be kidding me. Why am I here? But ultimately, like Obadiah, Elijah, and us, we got to accept God's placement. God's sovereign. He places his people where he wants them. Have you ever considered God's placed you in your place of employment, in your community? God's placed you in your neighborhood. Maybe you're thinking a different job would be better. Have you asked God if this is where he's placed you? Or is it just you want to leave? Is this the place where he desires you to be? I'm sure Obadiah didn't sign up for this position. I'm sure Obadiah didn't look online and say, oh, great, I want to be a head official in the most wicked king in all the land's place. Oh, this will be fun. Great job for play, a job advancement. No way he didn't sign up for that. But God placed him there. And that was his testimony. God was in charge, not Baal. Have you considered you're where God wants you to be? I mean, I look out. Lisa, God's place, Lisa Kohler, she works in a hospital. She brings Jesus into this hospital. How cool is that? 
Chuck Nelson works in Litchfield. God's placed Chuck in Litchfield, which is good. Litchfield needs Jesus. Just kidding. So do we all. Okay, so do we all. I can say that now. Al, Calvin, you're in insurance. Tom, you're in Plymouth. Steve, you're all over the world. God's placed you there. But we would always need to be surrendering and submissive to the idea that God could move us. And maybe we won't be placed there forever. And so we always need to be sensitive. Because after many days, God might say go. After three and a half years or after 23 years, God might say, you've been faithful. You've waited. But go. Kevin and Jenna. Jenna grew up here. Kevin grew up here. You've been here a long time in this neck of the woods. After many days, God saying Macedonia. After many days, God has the sovereign right to place his children where he wants them. I've heard many times believers say, I never thought I would have wound up here. I never thought we would have ever lived here. Georgia, right? Cocado, Minnesota, seriously? I never thought I would go up north where there's snow or south where there's not. Talk to my sister. She's going down to Mississippi to con consider maybe places to go in the winter. I'm like, why would you go to Mississippi? Got to be better places. And, uh, but I wonder if she's ever thought that there'd come a time in her life that she would wind up going down to Mississippi. And so God places his children where he wants. And his placement, though, requires us to follow that calling. So where's he called you? Is it to where you're at? Maybe there's been something pricking your heart. Something that's been nudging you. I call it the holy nudge. That's saying, I got something. Get ready, because I'm going to send you somewhere else. Now, if, if you're here thinking, that would stink. I get it. And we do get comfortable and we do work hard at building relationships and, and our children. If you've got children, you're like, oh, there's a different issue, right? But ultimately, it doesn't really just come down to the fact that are we surrendered and open to what God has for us. Maybe God leaves you for a gazillion years where you're at. Wonderful. But after many days, he might say, it's time to go. And he's got the sovereign right to place you where he wants. He doesn't often leave us that option. He says, where do you, here's where I want you. Be faithful, but I might lead you somewhere else. Are you open towards that? That is a good question. Verse 7 through 19, we read about God's protection. Now follow along. This is pretty cool. Now as Obadiah was on the way, behold, Elijah met him. He recognized him and fell on his face and said, Is this you, Elijah, my master? He said to him, It is I. Go, say to your master, Behold, Elijah is here. Now at this point you're like, Well, it's not a big deal. Oh yeah, well, keep reading. And he said, What sin have I committed that you are giving your servant into the hand of Ahab to put me to death? As the Lord your God lives, there's no nation or kingdom where my master has not sent to search for you. And when they said he is not here, he made the kingdom or nation swear 
that they could not find you. In the case of if you were to think of the Old West, there's wanted posters for Elijah all over the place. We want him, turn him over. That's the environment that Elijah's living in. Verse 11, Obadiah says, And now you are saying, go, say to your master, behold, Elijah's here. In his thinking, it will come about when I leave you. The Spirit of the Lord will carry you where I do not know, i.e., where Ahab can't find you. And when I come and tell Ahab, and he can't find you, guess who's going to pay for it? Me. He's going to kill me. Although I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Has it not been told to my master what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord? That I hid 150 prof- 100 prophets by the Lord by 50s in a cave, and I provided them with bread and water. And now you are saying, go say to your master, behold, Elijah's here. He will then kill me. Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. And it came about when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? And he said, I've not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, because you've forsaken the commandment of the Lord, and you have followed the Baals. Now then, send and gather to me all Israel at Mount Carmel, together with the 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of the Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Anybody smell a showdown coming? <laughs> yeah, there is, the big one. And we'll look at that in a little bit. What I do want us to notice, and it really jumps off the pages here, is God's protection. A beautiful picture of how God protects his people. As God places his people, as God moves his people, and timing that God says, in this account we see his divine protection in it all. Now Obadiah's life, we see it. We see in verse 9, 12, and 14, he's shaking in his boots. I mean, he's afraid. He's like, I li- I've served around this guy. I mean, I've seen him day in and day out. This is an evil, wicked man. And I wonder, part of him's not thinking all those times that he heard Ahab say, when I find Elijah, I'm going to rip him limb from limb. When we find Elijah, this is what we're going to do. When, and Obadiah dies hearing it over and over and over. Elijah says, oh, by the way, go tell Ahab I'm here to meet him. Obadiah's like, ah, man, seriously? Nobody's found you all this time. I'm going to go tell him. He's not going to find you. And I'm going to pay for it. That's That's it in a nutshell. But God shows himself faithful to protect him. Ahab's not going to find Elijah, at least Obadiah thinks. He's going to take it out on Obadiah. And so there's times that God will ask us to do things which brings great fear. We don't know what we're going to face. We don't know if we have the resources to face it. We don't know how people are going to react. But Obadiah was placed by God And daily he served an evil couple. That's that's a heavy call. Verse 15, we're tempted to miss it, we dare not. And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives. Now God's putting his word, his words, for a reason. He didn't just say, as the Lord lives. There's a reason that title is used. Lord of hosts. 
Scholars tell us, rightfully so, that the Lord of hosts means we have help in God when there is no other help. Lord of hosts means God's help is ever near. Lord of hosts means he strikes down his people's adversaries and delivers his children. It means he has all the forces of heaven at his disposal to accomplish his will. It means he's more powerful than any earthly army or kingdom or cosmic force even combined. He is most exalted king and ruler, which we sung about. He is master over every force. That's who lives. The Lord of hosts, Obadiah, as he lives, I say to you. Now, as Elijah says, Obadiah, I believe it's something along the lines of, Yahweh the Almighty lives. He's working. He'll protect you by fulfilling this promise. If God leads you, Obadiah, he'll protect you. He has you in the palm of his hand. There's no safer place because he's the Lord of hosts. Think of David and Goliath. The young man, David, standing up to the big boy, Goliath. And they come face to face. And David looks at him. And says, hey, big man, you come with sword, spear, and you come with javelin. But you don't understand something, Goliath. I come in the name of the Lord of hosts. And he's about to rock your world. That's who I come in the name of. So no matter how good and impressive your weaponry may be, there's no match. Because I stand in the name of the Lord of hosts, and he will deliver me. And he will take you out. Because he is the Lord of hosts. I came across this quote by Theodore Epp. Once a person is satisfied that he's in the center of God's plan and that God is working out his will through him, that person is invincible. Elijah's assurance stands out here because he serves the Lord of hosts. Obadiah, God will protect you. And we see that protection in Elijah's life. We've seen it already. Three and a half years at Zarephath in Jezebel's hometown, he's been protected. Verse 17 through 19, we see him before Ahab. And if anyone should have cowered, it would have been Elijah. Remember, he was the most wanted man. But his assurance stems from his being in God's place at God's time, covered by God's protection. And isn't that where confidence and assurance comes? Right? As a Christian. Being at God's place, at God's time, covered by God's protection. We can move forward with great confidence. We can move forward with great assurance. We can do great things for God when we're assured of those things. Which brings us to the three lessons. God's timing. It often requires us to make adjustments. Mentally, Spiritually, wait on God. God's timing requires us to make adjustments. The end of Psalm 27 says, wait on God. Twice, wait on God. In the beginning of Psalm 27, verses 1 through 3, the psalmist says, the Lord is my light, he's my salvation. In light of that, whom shall I fear? The Lord's the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? Good question. When evil lures come upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite 
of all of this, I shall be confident. I thought of that verse as Deb prayed for our persecuted brothers and sisters, that they would, in light of all that they face, be confident that he will hold them fast. They'll be confident that he is a deliverer, that he is the Lord of hosts, that he's sovereign. We would be wise not to let our schedule or plans be etched in stone. Because God's timing often requires us to make adjustments. God's placement requires us to be alert. Alert to opportunities to witness, to serve, to be encouraged. And so ask yourself, why has God placed you where he has? Why? And maybe you're disappointed. Maybe it's not what you wanted. Maybe you're disappointed in the people around you or disappointed that the work wasn't what you wanted or the location's not everything you hoped it would be. But God's placement requires you and I to be alert. And to some degree, it's a never-ending discovery, right? About what God's doing and his place in us. But we need to be alert to opportunities where we're at, faithful to what he's revealed to us. Don't just drift through life. Be alert to what God might want to do in your life. And three, God's protection enables us to move forward in confidence. We can fulfill God's calling under his sovereign, protecting hand. Don't look at all the obstacles, roadblocks, and adversaries. If you're going where God leads you, serve him. Go in confidence of his blessing and power. Trust him. He's going to do amazing things. As you and I walk in his power, at his time, experiencing his protection. Let's pray. Lord, there's so many lessons from this passage. I know we haven't even scratched the surface. But Lord, it shouts to us. You are a God who leads. You are sovereign over time. And you are all-powerful. You indeed are the Lord of hosts. God, sink deep into the recesses of our mind and our spirit that truth. Your plan never fails. It's a good plan. It's a perfect plan. And that plan might require us making adjustments. Might require us operating on a different timetable than we had thought. But God, give us the faith. Help us to stay in close proximity to you that we could hear clearly what you want us to do, when you want us to do it. And Lord, as we take steps, might we be very much assured of your protection and your guidance. So Lord, in all things, as in Elijah's life and all things in our life, you would be praised and honored. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.